This is the first season of The Last Seminary. As always, I'm James from Pastoria. Recorded as Sheltering in Place began in the Los Angeles area in 2020, this first season takes a wide look at the rapid changes taking place during the transition into the coronavirus age and how Christian ministry can keep pace with them. Let's get right to it right now. Now as we try to consider ourselves missionaries who hold the theology of being sent and Maybe we don't consider ourselves missionaries, but just people in general who have the attitude of being on an expedition, both of whom, either of whom, left home or left what is familiar to be sent on this mission where there is no guarantee of return, where there is no guarantee of going back to the quote-unquote way things were. We have to ask ourselves the question of how it is that we will construct our new reality. And as we ask ourselves this question, we come to consider two particular dimensions of our reality, and that is first, how it is that we will live our life for ourself, for the self, and also how it is that we will live our, our life for others. This, of course, comes from the example of Jesus Christ and our definition of discipleship and followership in Jesus Christ, that it has to do something with living for ourselves, and it has to do something with living for others. Even if we say that we live to deny ourselves, it means that Something about how we live in relation to ourselves has to be determined and decided upon. And the same goes for how it is that we will live for others. If we were to analyze the way by which and the ways by which we have defined our discipleship, we may categorize our spiritual practices in three ways. One is our inner practices what we do, again, for ourselves or by ourselves that may, of course, affect others. Second is our, what we might call, social practices. That is, certain activities and things that we do, sometimes or often in an organized way, that have to do with directly affecting our society at large or other groups of people. And then we have our group practices. You might put our worship services or worship gathering or whatever gathering, centering gathering that we might have in our own particular ministries, Bible studies, small groups, you name it. The kind of things that we do to practice our discipleship within a group of people that we have named to be intentionally the group of people with whom we will undertake such practices. And in now the coronavirus age, as we think about how it is that we are going to redesign discipleship, these three categories remain. But we may think of it now in a different order. 
In the past, we might say that really what came first out of these three categories is uh, the group practices. That first we're going to gather, we're going to learn, we're going to decide what we're going to do, we're going to be assigned what to do maybe, or have some kind of responsibility. Then we're going to have our inner practices work on ourselves first because we don't really want to be hypocrites. And then find a way to direct our attention and our activities socially. And if we did so, maybe we'd be able to reach some people with the good news of Jesus Christ and be able to come back with them to our group activities, our group practices. This has been the cycle. But now that we are in the coronavirus age and we are a sent people, we have left our activities of ecclesiology and we have already thought about our eschatology and even without thinking about it, it has in many ways been decided for us. We are in a time of missiology where really it's not our group practices that are going to come first. It is not our gathering that is going to be of priority. It is the nature of our being sent that will be. And because of that, our inner practices and our social practices will come first. Without even anyone or anything in our group, what we usually call our congregation or, or a church or a small group, even telling us what to do, we will be confronted with situations, we will be placed in realities where we must make those decisions for ourselves. And what will likely happen is that after we have tried something, we will come back to the group to report on what we have tried and after that is over, go back to our inner and social practices. Our practices, whether it's inner practices, social practices, our group practices, have particular characteristics. They have the characteristic of uh, being based in a particular occasion. They have a characteristic of being supported or being grounded in particular narratives or stories. They also have a particular characteristic of being uh, a catalyst or equipment to be used to further that the next time around. So, what we think here in the last seminary and what we propose is that we not try so much to translate or to transport the practices and based on the occasions and the narratives and, our, and the catalysts that we had before in our in-person reality that we begin to create some new ones. These new practices may sound, may sound bizarre, but in the, in the coronavirus age, they will make perfect sense and they will, dare we say, become necessary. Here is an example. If you did not get a chance to attend the first season of The Last Seminary Live, that is, you can watch a big chunk of the keynote address for free. It's on our Facebook page as a video, on our Instagram, IGTV, or our website at pastoria.co. It's called From Plant to Seed, and it's about what has brought in the money for ministry and where this thing called a pastor's calling is really going. Some of us are used to having some kind of quiet time or personal devotion 
let's say when we wake up, that is the occasion. Or let's say before we go to bed, or let's say at some specific time during the day, or let's say some random time, because so many of us have trouble keeping this up on a regular basis. It doesn't matter. What we might propose then for the coronavirus age is a spiritual practice or a practice of devotion and praying, maybe now, as we read or hear the news. Waking up or sometime in the morning or sometime in the evening is no longer the occasion, but the occasion we propose would be when we hear or read or listen to the news. And it may be our preference to then, as we experience the news, pray for inner peace. Pray for inner peace. That is our inner practice. What could be a social practice? Well, a social practice as we read the news and as we pray for peace for our own inner life could be praying for, in actuality, a disturbance. Instead of praying for peace, which we might do for ourselves, socially we may pray for a disturbance. We may pray that somebody teach some of our leaders that our reality is much more dire than they think. We may pray that someone or some group of people's eyes are open so that they take greater responsibility for where we are as a society and where we must go. We may pray that a conviction comes upon those of us in our society who have an inordinate amount or proportion of wealth throughout all of society. And for a disturbance to come about in their life and in their heart so that something is done, something out of the ordinary, something opens their eyes to the unpeaceful nature of human suffering. That it is not comfort that is required in that sense for our social practice. It is some sort of affliction or an identification, an observation, an experience, an acknowledgement of affliction. This brings us then to our group practice. What in the world would be the point of gathering together? It didn't really take any kind of teaching. It didn't really take any kind of reflection. It didn't really take much to do this kind of thing. It probably took a momentary flash of insight to realize that some of us need to feel more peace and others of us need to feel the opposite of that. Well, when we come together, maybe it is a time of listening. Maybe it is a time of reporting. This is what I prayed for. Not only this is what I prayed for, because of that prayer, this is what I participated in. I participated in meditation with my family, but I also participated in the street movement that was coming about, and so on and so forth. Here's what I learned. Here's what I want to share with you. Here's what you can do the next time around. Another example might be the occasion of birthdays. In the occasion of birthdays, we really do celebrate the fact that one of us was born on a particular day, and we appreciate the fact that they are alive. Given how we are in the coronavirus age, 
And COVID-19 coronavirus disease is really, perhaps dare we say, at our doorstep. We might find it to be a spiritual inner practice to write our will. To write our will. It seems to be the case that many people who have died of COVID-19 coronavirus disease did not really know that it would be such a short amount of time that it would take for them to transition and move forth into eternity. And, of course, their families did not expect it to be the case either. But what if writing our wills on our birthday was actually a spiritual inner practice? In the beginning, it may be a disturbance, but it may bring about much more peace than we think. Because then, on the other side, a social practice of ours could be to help other people write their bucket list. Because it's not only important to write our will. What it does is it helps us understand what is really important then. It helps us not worry any longer about what's going to happen once we're gone or what really remains when it is that we go. But in the in-between time, what is it that we believe that we really, really must do? And we really can't do without and feel like life is meaningful without doing these things. Perhaps then as we circle around to our group practice, it is not necessarily a time of teaching or proclamation or listening or even singing, although all of those things are important. Maybe all of those things serves to help us listen to each other, listen to the emotion, listen to the happiness, and as well as the hopefulness in the face of fear. That brings us to the end of this episode of The Last Seminary. Remember to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, as well as our website at pastoria.co. That's pastoria.co. As always, I'm James from Pastoria. Special thanks, of course, goes to the special person in my life, Jane. Thanks, Jane. <laughs>